0: Listening to a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. You know, sometimes when a preacher turns to read the scripture passages set out for the week, the connections are absolutely clear and vivid. The sermon just flows, it almost writes itself. Other times, well, there's a little more wrestling in order, and that would be the case tonight. Now, I do want to focus largely on the reading from Paul's epistle to the Galatians, but some comment on this passage from Luke are also very much in order. As the reading opens, we hear that Jesus has, quote, set his face to Jerusalem which is another way of saying that he is now drawing his ministry in Galilee up north toward a close and is beginning to focus on the confrontations that will happen in Jerusalem, confrontations with both the temple authorities and the Roman rulers. There's still a ways to go in this gospel. This is only chapter 9 of 24, but the tone is beginning to shift. There is, for instance, this moment when Jesus enters a Samaritan village, and he has been shown already to be of great compassion and help to non-Jews prior to this in Luke's Gospel. But they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem It seems as if they can recognize Jesus' determination here, and so don't really want or need him in their town. But I just caution against thinking the way the disciples do, which is essentially to take a posture of condemnation toward these Samaritans. Instead, recall that it is in the very next chapter that Jesus will tell his great story of the good Samaritan. And then there are these verses about these three people who seem quite eager to join his movement, but who are met with some really tough responses. Let the dead bury their own dead, Jesus says, to this man who who just wants time to complete the burial rites for his father, something crucially important in Judaism. And then to another, no one puts a hand to the plow and looks back as fit for the kingdom of God. That guy just wanted to go home and say goodbye to his family. I think the important thing to realize here is that there's a deep intensity to this moment in Jesus' life. That he needs any potential follower to grapple with that right then and there. Not that the same tone isn't also present for us at various stages along our way. As N.T. Wright puts it, where is Jesus asking us to travel, and are we ready to follow him wherever he goes? Sometimes that following can be, to use the words from Eugene Peterson, a long obedience in the same direction. Sometimes it can also be right here and now, a challenge to respond. It was the right here now that Jesus needed to emphasize to those potential followers at that moment in his journey. Now to the passage from Paul's letter to the Galatians. I think it's important to note that Paul is trying to get this particular Christian community on track for the longer haul of being God's people in the world. In that sense, Paul is not saying, let the dead bury their own dead, or put your hand to the plow and don't look back, because there's a very real sense in which Paul wants his readers to stop Reflect, reconsider some of the patterns they've set in their lives. He's really calling for reflection here. Slow down, think again. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Is how we began, and then very quickly we came to, you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. So listen to that again. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, he says, if, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. That line about biting and devouring and being potentially consumed by one another is telling. Because what it strongly suggests is that this is what is actually happening in Galatia. In his commentary on this epistle, Charles Cousar says this twofold emphasis on being called to freedom clearly makes Christian freedom the basis for ethics. Paul's great concern is to proclaim that in Christ, this community in Galatia is now free. But that freedom most definitely arcs in a very particular direction. It's at this moment that Paul begins to write about the contrast between a life moored in what he calls the flesh and a life lived in the spirit. Now, for readers not accustomed to the nuances of the original Greek in which this epistle is written, that can easily sound as if Paul is saying that the the flesh, the earthly, the physical, the embodied, is somehow bad. While the spirit and the spiritual is what will Transcend all of that nasty bodily stuff. But that's not his point at all. And in fact, it completely cuts counter to a Jewish vision of the human life as being an embodied life. In Judaism, and remember, Paul, the great apostle to the Gentiles, remains someone whose starting point for his whole way of seeing his world is still very much Jewish. In Judaism, the created world is good. And for all that we humans can make a mess of our lives, and we can, it is not because we are embodied creatures who are part of a good creation. No, the problem is the way that we so easily get distorted in the created world. And so, can distort and hurt and corrupt one another. And part of the key is the word Paul uses that's then translated into English as flesh. His word is sarks, Greek word. And different versions of the English Bible translate sarks differently. In the New English Bible, in this very chapter, it is lower nature. In the New International, it is sinful nature. In the Jerusalem Bible, it is self-indulgence. The point is, as Paul uses the word, he's leaning on it in a very particular direction, namely distortion. In other places in the New Testament, that word sarks is used in a much more neutral way. For instance, in the, in the famous prologue to the Gospel according to John, we have the word became flesh, sarks, and dwelt among us, and it's celebrated. Doesn't load the word sarx with negative meaning at all. But words are like that, right? Not just in Greek. If I say to you, I got a ticket today, that might be bad news. I got a speeding ticket. I got a parking ticket. It might be good news. I got a concert ticket or a bomber's ticket. It's the context in which the word ticket is used that makes all the difference. And that's the same with Paul's use of the word "sarks." And so, Kussar writes, The spirit and the flesh in this context are not components of human nature, but two realities in which individuals can base their existence, two directions in which they can move. They can live according to the flesh or according to the spirit. To focus on the one is death, to focus on the other is life and peace. Paul is not saying that material things, our bodies, are inherently evil, nor is he implying that human feelings, physical desires, or sensual pleasures are themselves to be avoided or suppressed. What makes the flesh, sarks, so destructive is that it can become the norm by which people's lives are lived. And that's what Paul is confronting in Galatia at this moment. Earlier in the same epistle, he's challenged the Jewish Christians in the Galatian community who are essentially insisting that the Gentile Christians must become Jewish, observant Jews in order to be Christian, in order to follow Jesus. And he says, no, none of that. Now, late in the epistles, he's turned to those Gentile believers, and he's saying, essentially, that some of the habits and patterns and assumptions of their pagan past need to be set aside for something altogether more life giving. And so he writes, by contrast, and here he's turning to the thing he wants to call them to the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. There is no law against such things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, the sarks. Here again, that which is drawing in the wrong direction have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. He is calling that community to a still more excellent way, to borrow his phrase from 1 Corinthians, and he wants them to flourish in it. Today's Gospel reading... Jesus is addressing a very specific and critical moment in time. Whereas here in Galatians, Paul is trying to shape a people for the long haul. And truth be told, there are times when we might need most to hear Jesus pressing an immediate challenge. And times we need to listen to Paul. And think deeply about the entrenched habits of our time, our culture, that can easily draw us badly off course. So let me leave you with Robert Farrer Capon's take on these teachings from Paul. I received these good words from Robert back in 2004 sitting in his living room on Shelter Island during a visit I paid to him. And he said to me, and I had a tape recorder running, so I would miss none of it. He said to me, The whole thing is done in Christ, and Christ in me. When you get to the fruit of the Spirit, one fruit, as opposed to the works of the flesh, The works of the flesh, adultery, uncleanness, lasciviousness, witchcraft, hatred, strife, wrath, sedition, all that stuff. These are all things we're perfectly capable of doing and executing and planning and acting on ourselves. They are works that we can accomplish, every one of them. And opposed to them are simply nine unboring fruit, ninefold fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is, of course, Jesus. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Therefore, the ninefold fruit of the Spirit is Jesus in me and in everybody. Then it becomes interesting, because it means that I already fully possess everything that is that fruit. I possess all his love now, complete, and it's operative, active in me. We just have to let it operate. And may it so be. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church and to access the full catalog of our podcasts going all the way back to 2006, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. In addition, if you are interested in supporting our online work, You can find information on the website using the Donate button located on the top right-hand corner. Thanks for listening.